0: Through this podcast, I aim to empower and inspire jewelry entrepreneurs and professionals so they can thrive while adding more beauty to the world. I am passionate about digital marketing for jewelry brands, and I'm excited to share my passion with you. As we all know, jewelry is joy, so I'll gladly seize any opportunity to talk about it. This is episode 191, and today I'll be sharing my interview with a super creative artist and highly accomplished woman in the jewelry industry who isn't afraid to try new technologies and venture boldly toward new frontiers. She's an advocate for innovation in the industry, and her story is super inspiring, not just for jewelry entrepreneurs and leaders, but for anyone who's ever had big dreams with the odds stacked against them. In this episode, we're gonna talk about what it's like to carve your own path as a woman in a male-dominated industry, the potential that NFTs hold for the jewelry industry, how a physical object and a digital object can complement each other, an example of two jewelry brands doing a very interesting collaboration, and much more. But before we get to the solid gold of this episode, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both an audio and video component, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. I love creating this content as my act of service to you, my awesome listeners and viewers, and you can always support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other jewelry dreamers find it too. I want to read my favorite review of the week. Kai Magushal, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, says, quote, I'm really excited to have found this podcast as well as the other resources Larissa offers to jewelry entrepreneurs. As someone just entering the space, it's a relief to hear about her journey and receive tips that aid my own, end quote. Thank you, Kai, and congrats on starting your journey. I wish you lots of luck and success, and I really appreciate your kind words. If you leave a review, I might read it on a future episode. So please let me know what you think about this episode or about any major takeaways or breakthroughs you've had recently. In this segment of the podcast, I give out my Sparkle Award for the week. During this segment, I highlight a jewelry brand that's impressing me with their marketing. The Sparkle Award is also interactive, so you can visit sparkleaward.com to nominate a jewelry brand that's inspiring you these days, and I might feature your submission on a future podcast episode. This week's Sparkle Award goes to Icebox, an Atlanta-based jeweler that caters to hip-hop superstars, athletes, and celebrities, as well as other high-end clientele. The store is run by the Juma brothers, Mo, Rafi, and Zahi, Their parents immigrated to the US from Pakistan in the early 1970s, and this is super impressive. They started with a table selling Native American jewelry at flea markets and grew it into the successful jewelry empire really that it is today. So I recently learned about this jeweler because of their YouTube channel, which amazingly has 1.7 million subscribers at least at the time that I'm recording this. When you hear this, it might be even more. They probably have the most YouTube subscribers of any jewelry brand I've seen on YouTube. I'm sure many of you listeners and viewers maybe can't relate to their business model of serving this really specific niche of clientele, but I'm sharing it because I think there's a lesson to be learned here. With YouTube, they've really decided to amplify the experiential part of coming into their store, buying some really bold and blingy diamond encrusted jewelry. And each one of their YouTube videos is actually less about the jewelry, strangely, and more about the dynamic personalities who come shopping at their store, as well as the really fun experiences they're having there. So even if you don't have hip hop superstars shopping at your jewelry store or buying from your e-commerce jewelry brand, you can still think about how to amplify the most experiential parts of your business and really celebrate the customers who shop with you. Also, how can you tell more stories and be more entertaining as a business in the world? Their YouTube channel is really a great model and example of this. As I mentioned, you can visit SparkleAward.com to nominate a jewelry brand that's inspiring you these days, and I might feature your submission on a future podcast episode. Let's discuss some recent news related to jewelry or marketing. Each week I share my thoughts about three relevant articles, and you can get those links by visiting the show Notes. The first one comes from Town & Country Magazine, and the title is, The Best Lockets to Hold Your Secrets. I was very intrigued by this, because I'm like, what kind of secrets are we talking about? Anyway, I love this article because even though it was more like a jewelry roundup, I still think it had a lot of relevance and really talked about a trend in the industry right now. I think lockets are a very popular, super trending jewelry category. And it's really no surprise to me since consumers are craving personalization and experience experiences in their jewelry, purchases, which is, as I've talked about, if you've listened to previous episodes, one reason why the permanent jewelry trend is really catching on, one reason why piercing is so popular right now. So Town & Country recently did this roundup of the best lockets to hold your secrets, and writer Jill Newman got quotes and insights from a number of designers who offer lockets in their product assortment. She makes the argument that our lives are on such public display with social media that we all need a place to keep our secrets and wishes. And I could really relate to this. I think that's why this resonated with me. I remember in around 2014 or 2015, before I moved to Los Angeles, I actually got a little silver locket and I wrote on a piece of paper some of my like hopes and dreams and that I wanted to move to LA and kind of like some goals for myself. And I put it in this little silver locket and I kept it with me and it was something that I would always think about and be reminded of. Monica Rich Kosan, a jewelry designer, says, quote, lockets have a positive energy and help you manifest the things you want, end quote. She also says, while some prefer lockets with love stories, more women and now men are actually requesting them with wor- words of empowerment and inspiration. So there really are a lot of ways to approach this jewelry category. And Lockets don't necessarily have to be so serious all the time. They don't have to be about this like big life goal or this like epic love story or whatever. They can be really fun too. And even if you don't sell lockets in your product assortment, I would invite you to think about are there ways you can bring that personal keepsake experience to your products or could you put a unique spin on a locket? The second article comes from RetailTouchpoints.com. So this website or publication actually has their own podcast called the Retail Remix Podcast. And I was listening to an episode called What's the New Holiday Marketing Calendar? So this is an interview with a woman named Julie Van Ullen of Rakuten Rewards. And she made some really interesting points about customer loyalty, about the holiday marketing calendar, and I just wanted to share some of those with you, and I also encourage you to go listen to this episode, which I'll link to in the show notes. So she says, it's harder and harder for marketers to win and retain customers, especially in a climate with inflation, economic volatility, all things that are shifting consumer behaviors. The things that are really keeping people coming back for more are personalized experiences, offers, and rewards. But on top of that, reconsidering the holiday calendar and kind of putting your own spin on it and not being afraid to do that. So you probably know about Prime Day, um, which is Amazon's like proprietary sales event. They've kind of created their own holiday. And retail branded events are becoming more and more important to marketing strategies, whether it's a retailer creating their own, like Amazon, or a retailer working with a partner like Amazon on this quest for loyalty. So they're really able through these events to create more touch points with consumers rather than sitting around and waiting for those big holiday retail calendar events, which we know in the jewelry industry are Christmas time, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, those are some of the big ones. So consumers are never going to stop spending against the traditional holiday calendar. Those days will always be there. They're not going anywhere. But maybe thinking about creating your own holiday or your own branded event, which gives you an opportunity to elongate that calendar. Why sit around and wait for the holidays? Try something um, new and get your customers excited about a day that they maybe didn't even think about before. So this was a really great podcast and I'll put the link to the show notes so you can check it out too. And the third article was actually a press release that I noticed from Sotheby's called Sotheby's and Metagolden Bring NFT Jewelry to the Global Stage in Inaugural Jewelry Auction. So this upcoming auction sale called Art as Jewelry as Art by Sotheby's, it's taking place from September 24th to October 4th, and it features NFT pioneer Meta Golden alongside physical jewelry pieces by renowned artists like Picasso and Salvador Dali. It's really interesting that a major auction house is getting into NFTs and I think it really pairs well with the content of the episode that I'm sharing today or the interview that I'll be sharing today. The one NFT that will be auctioned is the digital twin of the Ethereum expedition ring by MetaGolden. So according to the press release I saw, Quote, resembling a miniature geodesic dome, the piece is inspired by intercontinental rocket launches that typically span upwards of 16 hours, which would be curtailed to approximately 30 minutes via up-and-coming space programs like Elon Musk's SpaceX. End quote. Hmm. I personally am not like interested in the story around this ring. It doesn't appeal to me. But I thought it was really cool that there was such a detailed story about the inspiration, and I could totally see it resonating with a certain type of customer. So I was so intrigued by Meta Golden, and I wanted to know more about what they are. So I went to their website, and they do sell physical jewelry alongside the digital NFT component. So the e-commerce shopping experience is super interesting because you can toggle between photos of the physical and the digital. So I invite you to check out their website. It's a really interesting approach to e-commerce. For more information about any of these articles, check out the links provided in the show notes. As I mentioned at the very beginning, my guest today is one highly accomplished woman in the jewelry industry. Recognized as one of the top masters of design and art in Canada, Rina Aluwalia is an award-winning jewelry designer, painter, and professor. She's one of a handful of living jewelry artists whose work is featured on a nation's postage stamp. That's Belgium, by the way, in case you're wondering. As a tribute to the British royal wedding, Rina created a diamond tiara for Kate Middleton, Rena also designed a historic diamond piece for the legislature of Ontario with De Beers Canada. She created the inaugural collection for Rio Tinto Bunder Mine, where diamonds were found 100 years after the fabled Indian Goikanda mines depleted. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. In 2019, Rena co-created the watch that was awarded the Guinness World Record for most diamonds set on a watch. Coveted internationally by art collectors, Rena paints highly nuanced, hyper realistic diamonds with ultra magnified facets. She's a professor and member of the George Brown College Jewelry Program Advisory Committee and a fellow of Institute Without Boundaries. Rena gives back to many communities and organizations, including Jewelers for Children charity, to help children who are victims of catastrophic. Illness. I was so excited to speak to Rena. I love chatting with her. This is super special for me, and I hope that you're inspired by it and that you learn a lot from this interview. So, without further delay, let's chat with Rena. So, Rina, I absolutely love your story about how you broke through as an artist in a very patriarchal society. I would love if you could walk our listeners and viewers through that story and how you got to where you are today.
1: Wow. Well, first, thank you, Larissa, for having me. I think if I have to talk about my journey, I really have to say that there's one thing that's very defining about my story. Uh, is is creating my own design legacy and my own path with sheer persistence and and vision. And I know we we have to go a bit, you know, back. And so I'll start with the beginning. I was born in India in a beautiful, uh, you know, city. That's called the city of lakes. That's where I was born. And uh, I grew up there. And uh, also my parents were really supportive They were always, you know, there for girls' education, always very supportive. But at the same time, uh, you know, it was not an easy thing for girls to get educated at that point. So I'm really thankful to them for that. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, um, you know, my family was not into jewelry or diamonds at all. So uh, that was something interesting. So I um, grew up and went to, uh, got selected in one of India's largest and the biggest and the most prestigious art school. And right after that, I graduated and got into the diamond industry as a jewelry designer. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I go there in the diamond industry and just being a woman at that time, I'm talking about early 19, 1990s. So being a woman in this hugely male dominated diamond industry was a challenge. And and I think it still is to a large degree. So, you know, um, being a woman in that, uh, in the Dharma industry, you would not even seen or heard. So I really had to, uh, you know, carve out my own path, you know, through my hard work, vision. And and I really always believe in um, meritocracy. I really think that if you have the merit of your hard work and that vision, it'll take you places. So I I kept, uh, you know, doing what I could. And uh, so slowly, of course, uh, you know, with all of that uh, things, things turned in my favor and people saw what I could do. And at the same time, I would say that, you know, just being a woman of color and I know I recognize that uh, absolutely that, uh, you know, women do face a lot of, you know, kind of odds and microaggressions and biases that's there. And it's always been there, so I want to recognize that. And I think you ask any women or women of color or any marginalized group of people, you'll see many stories. So uh, definitely I would say that it's not only women, but marginalized group of people. And we really need to uh, you know, pay attention to that, resolve that, address that. If you want any advancement going forward, I
0: think that takes so much courage. What you did, and also vision. Did you have any specific role models in the industry that you were able to look to, or did this really come from a
1: place like within yourself? Well, that's such a good question because when I started, I there were really, you know, women were not even there. So, for example, if I would go and uh, to learn about diamond grading you'll just have one or two people who are overseeing the whole thing and there was one woman that was amazing but then you would have hundreds of people there and and maybe one or two women and even in in the as a jewelry designer i would not find many people and at the same time i would say that in the leadership position in a position of power in the position of you know uh uh yeah i mean i i would i i would lack that a lot and so i couldn't find you know, role models immediately around me, but I had my mother, who was who was such a great, uh, you know, strong woman. She's a poet. She's a writer, and all her life she stood for women's rights. And you know, told me, you know, whatever you need, you carry within. So you go, you know, just look inside, go for it. And at the same time, I think it was, it was uh, you know, journey of discovery. So as you go along your journey, you you find things that you did not know about yourself, you know, the strength that you have. And I think as you improve, you're confident about what you're doing. So I think, yeah, and I think later on, I, I did meet some amazing, incredible women in the industry, and I'm so thankful at that that I did.
0: Yeah, that's really inspiring. So tell our listeners and viewers, what are some of the most amazing milestones that you've achieved in your career, whether they were like personal milestones or awards that you've won for your work? Well, there's
1: like, I have had a long career. So I would say that there have been many kind of awards and milestones along the way. So I'll, I'll, uh, you know, um, so I'll start with the awards first. And although it's not a full list, but some of the awards that I've won, um, you know, are the De Beers Diamonds International Award, uh, the HRD Design Award by Antwerp World Diamond Center, and uh, Rio Tinto Global Design Award, Canadian Master Craftsman Award, um, World Gold Council Awards, JCK Awards, so they're not the full list, but, and Tahitian uh, World Trophy. So some of these are uh, some of the awards i I won. And milestones, well, uh, I would say you know creating a uh, co-creating a Guinness World Record watch, you know with most diamonds set uh, on a watch that was great. Uh, designing a royal diamond tiara for the royal wedding of Prince William and uh, Kate Middleton was another milestone. And then of course you know one huge milestone I would say is uh, you know having my my diamond jewel. Uh, you know, uh, featured in a poster stamp. And so there is, uh, this is interesting because there are very few living artists who have this incredible privilege, and I do. So I have my um, diamond jewel that was an award-winning piece that's on a Belgian poster stamp. And uh, so, and then of course, there are some historic milestones, you know, creating uh, jewelry from the first diamonds that were discovered in India by Rio Tinto. 100 years after the Golconda mine depleted and Rio Tinto interested me to create the first historic uh, collection out of those diamonds. And then um, the other one is, uh, you know, when in Canada, the first diamonds were found in Ontario, our province, the legislature invited me to uh, set that diamond in a historic mace. And our legislature cannot start till that mace enters the building. So that's a pretty cool thing. I would say, yeah.
0: Not only are those, they sound so impressive, but they also seem really fun. Like they just seem like really cool life experiences to have. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think I would add that, you know, as a creative person, you're doing so many different things. And I talked about the awards that I got or the milestones, but you know, some of the other things like the diamond artworks I do, and I'm really you know, I feel privileged that I have uh, my diamond jewels and, and paintings in the collections of some incredible collectors, you know, who have been supporting my journey, and um, as well in the museums. And the other thing that I really like is, which I want to mention is, that all these awards and milestones are all okay. But, you know, I mean, that's part of your journey, but I think I what I really value are some other things as well. You know, I'm a professor of jewelry. I've been teaching all my life. And that has been a really big, you know, gratifying experience for me. Of course, that landed me, you know, I got a fellowship award for that. And that was good. But I think just the kind of deep satisfaction um, that leaves me is is amazing. To be able to inspire artists around the world and, and just contribute and, you know, have a dialogue, be part of their journey. I think that's pretty cool to me.
0: And another thing that really is impressive about you, Rena, and you haven't even touched about this, is how innovative you're always thinking. So you have this creative mind and you do, you know, the more traditional art and that traditional training and creative arts, um, but you're also always looking at the forefront of technology and where the industry is going next. Can you kind of talk more about your affinity for innovation?
1: I mean, I think, like any creative person, I mean, I and i think that's part of my journey too is that you know you're always looking to challenge yourself and I, that's something that really motivates me that gets me up i'm excited to expand my mind i'm excited to learn more i'm excited to you know just push the limits of my own thinking and i think that kind of always puts me in a position where i'm questioning what am i not doing you know what is that i can access in my mind that i'm not accessing at the moment you know how can I relook at the jewelry I'm creating? You know what are the new things that are happening? So I'm really excited about challenging myself, and that's where I guess the innovations come from. Because you know, um, and it's also exciting, you know, as a creative person to keep trying to uh, you know improve your art, uh, improve your uh, you know mode of expression, and I think that goes. So that means that. Uh, The innovation could be very simply mechanical innovation or a technical innovation or a digital innovation or how you tell your story. So there are so many different layers to it. uh, And that's so exciting for me. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: one way you're doing that is last year you decided to enter the world of NFTs, which is so cool. And I would love to hear more about what got you into that and how you got
1: started. So Larissa, like, As I said, I'm excited about technology, I'm excited about science, I'm excited. I love to know more about these topics. So I've always had fascination uh, to learn more about, you know, digital technology. So I would be always reading articles about it, you know, going into BBC, looking into the science section, you know, all of those kind of things, going to various websites, so I think it was Uh, early 2021, when I started hearing about this kind of a new digital revolution, you know, something is happening in the world where the design and the minds are shifting. And I was really curious. And of course, I I started hearing about this word NFT, non-fungible tokens. And that got me really interested. And I said, okay, what is this digital technology and how can I learn more about it? I mean, I was just curious. I was really curious about this. But how is it shifting the whole design landscape? And how can I integrate that in my art? And should I even integrate it in my art? I think because it's not only that something new comes and then you just go and use it. I think you need to understand that first. So early 2021, I started hearing about it. And then I also uh, realized that I knew nothing about it. So there was so much to learn. And I was... I've. I think it's a huge learning curve. I would say that it took me a long time to even just educate myself. So I would I would go to websites. I would you know listen to all the podcasts there were, go to Twitter Spaces. You know uh, look at what people were doing in the NFT space or you know the, you know following various people in the community and hearing the conversation and back and forth, and really and just trying to understand how does blockchain technology work. How How is it related to art? What is minting? You know, what are these different NFT platforms and so forth? So, yeah, that's where I got started, actually.
0: So it sounds like it was a really big learning curve for you and you you were able to find those resources that kind of helped you get up to speed. But what was the moment where you really decided, OK, I could utilize this? And then how did you decide to apply it to what you were doing?
1: I felt that... I was always, so I, just as a jewelry designer, I'm always dealing with physical objects. You know, the three dimensionality is very, it's easy for me to understand. I sketch in three dimension, I, you know, although my paintings are two dimension on a physical canvas. So I came from that kind of a world, but at the same time, with my jewelry, there was in 2014, I had, You know, I had, uh, I would say, um, used QR technology to embed voice messages in diamond jewelry. I was really way ahead. So I was always interested in integrating the physical and digital world. And so I found that to be very organic, you know, next uh, step for me, because I thought, well, it's interesting that I make these physical objects, but now I can expand the story into a digital realm. Imagine, because when I paint... When I do my paintings, it's not some. It's not like, for example, I'm looking at a diamond photograph and I'm painting it because that needs no imagination. It just needs, you have to copy it. But for me, when I'm making my art, I want to take you onto a journey. I want you to come along with me, you know, and, and listen to the stories I have to tell. And maybe, you know, your own interpretation, you know, mix that with your own interpretation. So when I'm painting, um, I always imagined that in 3D, although it's a two-dimensional object. So for me, I wanted to expand that narrative. I wanted to take it and just just kind of go into this digital realm where it's very immersive. It's like a language of diamond on a different scale uh, or gemstone. So that's where I thought, yes, I want to merge these two. And, and let's see how, you know, that was a great challenge for me too. That makes a lot of sense. So what
0: do you hope your current collectors, the people who already love your work, as well as people who continue to discover it in the future, what are you hoping for them to get out of
1: the NFT? So when I started, it was 2021, I, I launched my first NFT collection called the Verse, and it's on OpenSea. And this is one of the very first NFT collection uh, from the Diamond and Jewelry timeline. And these are my... Art NFTs, and for me, art is such an important personal, uh, you know, expression. So I hope that when uh, you know my collectors buy my NFTs, you know they're buying a part of my story. They're part, you know, they're getting a part of my soul. And I think as collectors, you know, when you support an artist, you, you are, you know, enabling them dream. You know, live their dream. So. I think that's a pretty cool thing that the artists can do. Uh, sorry, the collectors can do. And it's a beautiful thing, and as well, I think that art NFTs are like digital in investment. Uh, you know, these are digital assets, and it's a great investment for for your future. So, for my NFT collectors, I would say that look out. There might be many more things coming your way uh, in the digital realm from me. So, so yes, look out for that in the future. That's very exciting.
0: So how would you say for the collectors, we kind of touched upon this about the physical versus the digital. For the collector, how do those things really complement each other?
1: So NFTs, you know, essentially they're digital assets. So you don't even need to marry it with a physical object. So it could be a standalone digital asset. But in some cases, for example, one of my NFT, which is a one-of-one, that if you buy that NFT, you can also redeem a physical artwork with it. So you have this amazing benefit of not only having uh, a really great digital asset, but you also have a physical asset, uh, you know, which, which is combined with that. But it's not an essential thing. And I would say as I move forward, I would not be doing more of that. In fact, because I would like to keep it into the digital realm. However, if you're a jewelry <clears throat> artist or if you are, if you want to do the, uh, the two together, that's a great idea because, you know, think about jewelry. You can make an NFT, which could be maybe a certificate of that jewelry piece. So there, there are many ways you can play that. Definitely.
0: So, Rena, you're also doing a really cool collaboration with Greenland Ruby. I would love for, in your own words, to tell our listeners and viewers about what that is and how you got involved in it.
1: So uh, it all started, uh, well, when Haley Hennig who's an incredible CEO of uh, Greenland Ruby, she reached out to me. I mean, she had seen my NFTs before, and of course, she's a very, uh, you know, person I respect, and she's a great friend too, excuse me. She reached out to me and she talked about that, you know, the whole sustainability aspect of the Greenland Ruby, how ancient and incredible gems these are. And she was seeing what I was doing in the NFT space. And here she was, uh, Greenland Ruby, was celebrating their fifth anniversary. So we came together and we thought of doing a fundraiser. So something to give back to the community. So Greenland Ruby and I collaborated <clears throat> and we have this fundraising initiative. And what it has is a physical painting and digital NFTs. And I guess this is the first time, I think, in our diamond uh, gemstone and jewelry industry, Somebody's trying that and it's, it's, it's going well. So uh, what happens is that this fundraiser, you know, the motive and the mission behind this fundraiser is to, you know, generate funds for the climate, for the conservation, and even for, uh, you know, communities around in Greenland. So, and 100% of the proceeds will go to the Pink Polar Bear Foundation. But what are the mechanism? How does it work? So, if you are a donor who has uh, you know donated to this initiative, every single donor will win my limited edition ruby NFT. It's pretty spectacular. It's animated, and you have to really go and take a look at that. <clears throat> and then one donor out of all the donors will win the physical painting, which is quite spectacular uh, itself. And uh, I remember when I started Larissa in the NFT space, one of my main goals was to really create some sort of a digital imprint that has a physical impact so how do i create something digitally that is all also able to not only you know um, that that not only comes from my own activism but also serves i think so i think that was one of the purpose i had and it's a goal i think you know i'm putting into practice let's say happy birthday absolutely it. <laughs> It's nice to
0: see that. And side note, I did see that painting at JCK this year and it was very cool yes. and I liked that they had it on display. And Thank then you. speaking to the the giving back aspect and having the purpose, you also do that with your own collection as well. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that's, um, I think it all stems from where I come from, really. You know, uh, I I was growing, when I was growing up in India, I mean, I, as I talked about, you know, how, important education was for me i mean people can take it for granted i mean i remember say like the pencil crayon box that you people take it for granted i would have to save for two months to even buy that you know i mean so so just getting an education was a very big deal you know somebody teaching you was an amazing thing so As I, you know, throughout my career, I think that is something I really thought I'm going to embed in my way of doing work, in my creation. And I think that is a whole you know, that's the whole, that makes my practice, art practice whole. So yes, I've been, uh, you know, with my jewelry collections or whether it's my paintings, whatever I do, there is a, this, there's a tangible impact and I want to make sure that that happens each year. So I also set aside a certain time. So it's like, you know, I mean, of course you're a designer, you're running a business, you know, you're an artist, you know, you need to sell your artwork and all of that is good. But I also feel that if you commit a certain time where it's not about money, it's not about, you know, just that hustle. Or, you know, I think that's a good thing for your soul. So I think it's been a couple of years that I set aside time where I only focus on creating with the intention that it benefits somebody else and not me. I mean, it gives me happiness and it's, you know, gives me great uh, uh, motivation to keep pushing forward, but yeah.
0: I love that. And I think a lot of businesses in this industry can learn from that example, for sure. it's It's a good thing for your soul. Definitely. So, Rina, in your opinion, what potential do NFTs hold for the jewelry industry? Where do you see this all going?
1: I think it's going to go places, I feel. It's, you know, one is that we are talking a lot about NFTs and NFT as a word becomes really big and metaverse and all of that. But if you really look at it, it's the underlying technology, it's the blockchain technology we are talking about. So, NFTs are basically tokens that are registering the transactional aspect of it, um, and at the same time, you have assets that has provenance, history, transparency, and traceability. So when you talk about any of these things, that really can be applied to our field in jewelry and diamonds. You know, we talk about the origin of diamonds or gemstones. Where do they come from? You know, what makes a certain piece really one-off? Or, you know, why is uh, why do you want to talk about the history of a certain jewel changing hands? Imagine now that you're able to prove it, and it's in perpetuity on the blockchain. That's a great provenance to have. And I think um, that kind of transparency is expected now. It's not something, I mean, there could be, there are many words we all use, and these are b- big words, and people don't understand, you know, uh, the bigger, larger words, which I would not say here, but some of the simple things we can do is being transparent, you know, not only in our speech, in our actions, on your social media, but in the products and, and, you know, expression that we are putting out there. And I think people demand that now. It's just a given. And that's what is going to be going forward. But for the jewelry industry, I think it's such, you know, we are innate storytellers. That's what we do you know imagine think of jewelry that's the most intimate object you put close to your body is there anything more elemental and pure and and long lasting than that so i think as jewelry uh, you know industry we know storytelling but i think now i think it's the time to level up and just just go into this multi-layered communication, which is digital, and and start being digital storytellers, too. So there's much to explore in this space. And I feel that this is something which we all would be doing in a few years. It would not be called NFT, but it'll be just a normal way of working. So if you can learn about it, if you're interested in technology, just embrace it, you know, and just start somewhere.
0: I love that. I got chills when you were talking about jewelry being like a, the most intimate object you yeah. can like connect to yourself and I think it's so true and that needs to be something that businesses in this industry always remember when they're speaking to yeah. a consumer whoever they're marketing to.
1: That's so true. I mean, I think even, you know, with the start of humanity, imagine how ancient and how essential jewelry has been to our human body. You know, it's like when you put jewelry on yourself, you're not only decorating your physical body, but you're decorating your soul. So I think there's something so exceptional about being in this field. And it gives us this amazing opportunity to you know, kind of expand on the meaning and expression of what we're doing and what we're saying. So I don't think it's a very difficult... um, It's just something new, which you are learning about and you are putting in your practice. And I think... I would expect all the jewelers and diamantiers to have that in place in a couple of years. I think most of the big brands are doing it. And <clears throat> I know I remember when I started in 2021, December, I think one week after that, Bulgari had um, you know, launched their NFTs. But what they did was really interesting that they did not make put a video of a jewelry piece and said, well, that's a video I clicked and now that's an NFT. Because if you really look at it, NFTs are also very tied into this crypto art culture or a digitally native culture. So if you have something that is not innovation, why should it be an NFT? So I loved what Bill Gurry had done and they expanded on the narrative, they expanded on the DNA of the storytelling. So they had this amazing art piece on the body. And I thought that was engaging for me. But if you just have a piece of jewelry, you made it into a video and it's an NFT. I'm not interested. I mean, <laughs> somebody else is, but I'm not. So I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to how our innovators and our jewelry industry are going to push that boundary. And even question, because, um, you know, people, all of us question things, you know, it's not... Uh, you know, the Cool aid is not that, you know, this is not a slogan world. This is not that kind of a top-down marketing, or it's not that, well, I tell you so, so this is why it is exceptional or important or, you know, I'm a legendary brand or things like that. It doesn't matter any. I mean, it matters to a certain extent. History matters. Your provenance matters. But that transparency matters too. And how you express yourself matters even more in today's world. Those are such
0: great points that you made. And I like that you share the example of Bulgari also. I think they are doing really interesting things in the NFT space.
1: But there will be many more, and I'm really excited about that because, you know, our community, that is the Jewelry Endowment community, I'm really looking forward to them entering the space. And it'll be really cool to see how they're going to come up, what kind of innovations are they going to come up with, you know, so yeah. Absolutely.
0: So, what do you have coming up on the horizon for you, Rina? What's something that you're excited about in your work, in your business? What's
1: what's what's new? So there are quite a few things. There are multiple projects I'm working on, but the the closest one I can talk to you about is that I've been working for many, many months on my next NFT release. And so my next drop is going to be. Quite exceptional is going to be epic, and I just can't wait to share with everyone. You know, I've taken my time, and it's it's exciting, and I want to you know share it with the whole world. So please look out uh, for announcement on social media, and uh, yeah, check it. I hope that you'll check it out. So that's something recent. My next NFT drop should be coming up soon, probably within this month, and uh, so yes, that's one. And on the jewelry front. The diamond watches and, you know, the Ellison by Rena collection that's a, that I'm still developing and expanding on. So, yeah, uh, some
0: amazing projects. So how can people find you and learn more about these things? What's the best way for them to
1: connect? So I think um, I would say look for me and you'll find me in, in social media. <laughs> so, you know, just um, go to my website. It's uh, www.rinaaluvalia.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at Rina Aluwalia. I'm on TikTok, a bit new, uh, Rina.Aluvalia. And of course, as I said, look for me and you'll find me even on LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm everywhere. Um, Let's connect.
0: Perfect. And I'll put those links in the show notes, too, so people have an easy way to, to get there. Rina, this has been awesome. I was inspired. I hope people listening and watching were inspired as well. You're doing so many cool and innovative things. So thank you for sharing that on this podcast. I really appreciate you. Thank
1: you very much, Larissa, for having me.
0: What did you think? To learn more about Rena, visit her website renaalualia.com. Her first name is R E E N A, and her last name is A H L U W A L I A, or follow her on Instagram at renaalualia. You can always email me, Larissa, that's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To purchase a signed copy of my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy, visit joyjoya.com book for more information.